This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I am the lead pastor here at Journey, and we're just thrilled uh, for you to be here with us this morning as we continue this great series. We've already had a great morning of, of worship. Uh, it was wonderful to hear you sing this morning. Uh, before we go any further, though, let me just pause and make sure that I remind everybody um, that it's our desire to have a connect card from everyone here today. You can find those in the seat back in front of you. This is uh, if you are new or if you've been around many times before, these connect cards are just great ways. Uh, a, to let us know you're here. You can share prayer requests, decisions that you've made. Maybe you want to volunteer in some particular area, something you want to communicate to us as a church Please take a moment, fill this out, and then you can drop it in the offering bags when uh, they go by at the end of our time together, or there's some baskets uh, at the exits as you leave today. You can uh, drop it there. But wanted to make sure I encouraged everybody uh, to take a moment and fill one of those out this morning. With that, let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Lord God, we are so thankful for this place, so thankful for your presence, so thankful for the worship that we got to sing this morning. God, we we sang that there is no one beside you. Lord, what a wonderful verse. No one besides you. God, I pray that that is true today in this teaching time. God, I pray that is true in my heart, in my life. God, I pray that is true in everyone's heart today, Lord, that we prioritize you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, many, many people in our world today search for happiness we look for it. We search it out. We find uh, uh, what we find so often in our search for happiness is that happiness is elusive. It, it, it kind of moves around on us. We think that we're going to find uh, happiness in the next place, in the next job, in the next relationship, in the next thing that we buy. What, what happens so often is we finally get to that next place, and there, happiness moved again, right? That's what we find again and again. Um, today, if I had a big box here on the stage, and it was marked happiness across it, and it was your job and my job to put some things in the box that we have looked for happiness in, but haven't found them. What kind of things would we bring and put in the box today? Maybe some of us would uh, bring some, some food, some chocolate cake, some other things, because we've all tried to eat our feelings right, and, and we'd put that in the box. Maybe we would put other boxes, like those Amazon boxes or those shoe boxes in the box, things that we have, we, we try to purchase happiness, right? We think, well, if we could just get this one thing, well, that would just make life easier and we would be happy and maybe it works for a moment, but then 
it's gone, right? Maybe we would put a, a paycheck in the box because uh, paychecks have this way to make us think, hey, if it was just a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger, but every time it grows, even just a little bit, it never seems like enough. And so we want it to grow bigger and then we would be happy. My small group loved uh, the Zig Ziglar quote. We, we talked about that last week uh, in regards to money. Money won't make you happy, but everybody wants to find out for themselves, right? There are so many places we look for happiness. What we find again and again, the things that we place in this box is that maybe the happiness comes for a few moments, a few minutes, but it soon disappears. It soon vanishes. The newness of that uh, thing that we just bought wears off. That chocolate cake that tastes so good on the way in eventually makes the jeans not fit right. The paycheck, we continually want to grow and grow, but it never seems like it's by enough. And so what happens? The search goes on, right? And on and on and on. And so we find ourselves really spending our life on this search for happiness, always looking for it. As I thought about this series this week, as I thought about, especially about this title, one of the things that hit me was we've all experienced happiness. We, we know what that feels like, what it looks like. That's why we're searching for it. We, we know the good feeling happiness is. We could go back 10 days or 10 years to some happy memory, and just the memory of how we felt in that moment would comfort us. But we've also all experienced it, and too many times, too often, those times in life where happiness seems elusive, it seems gone, it seems just out of grasp. Just out of reach, no matter what we do. Maybe we're in some kind of funk, maybe we're on some kind of string of bad luck, and sometimes... Sometimes there are just things in life that steal our joy, that steal our happiness. That's what I want to talk about today. And in particular, I want to talk about one thing that is really good at stealing our happiness, stealing our joy, and that is loneliness. Loneliness is really good at stealing our happiness and joy. When we feel isolated, when we feel alone, our joy, our happiness, it gets taken from us so often. It gets stolen from us. Researchers decided to put this to the test. They decided to put this into the test. And so uh, here's what they did. They got a group of people together, uh, and maybe they were at a conference or some larger event. And what they did is they started a game of catch in a group of people, right? And it was kind of impromptu, uh, and, but what they didn't know is they always picked one person. This person didn't know that they would never get thrown the ball. 
right? It's not kind of kind of mean. Feels a little bit like getting kicked or picked last for kickball, right? But there was one person that was blackballed. They, they never got the ball around. The, the ball would go around the, the circle, the group, kind of spontaneously. But there was that one person, right? They were just, you could see it in your mind, right? They're excited, uh, but the ball never comes to them. So they watched this person. And here's what would happen inevitably in almost every situation, At the beginning, they would be excited. They would laugh when the group laughed. They would smile when the group smiled. But as the ball just kept passing them by, kind of randomly, person by person, they kind of started to detach from the game. They got frustrated. They frowned. They uh, Eventually, they all quit before everybody else, and they claimed they never wanted to play catch from the start. And then the researchers, they would go and talk to these people and they found, they found these people that had been um, ostracized from the group, from the game of catch. They, they had a lack of purpose. They, they, they just felt down and out. Study from England study for England looked at loneliness and what it does to our actual bodies physically. It's linked to cardiovascular disease, dementia, depression. It has a similar mortality rate to smoking. It's worse than obesity. Another study uh, found that it can increase the risk of an early death by as much as 30%. 30%. So not only does loneliness steal our joy, not only is it not fun, it's terrible for our health. Scientists have studied this topic again and again. We know so much. They've mapped centers in the brain. They know what part of your brain lights up when you feel joy and happiness and excitement. They, they found joy genes in our DNA. They've found chemicals that stimulate joy, happiness, those feelings. They studied identical twins to try and look at environmental factors. Listen to this. They even tried tickling rats. I don't know whose job that was. (laughs) That sounds uh, not like much joy or happiness would be in the person whose job that was. But but they, they tried tickling rats. Here's the biggest finding that they found in all of this. I think we have this on the uh, slide this morning. Numerous studies over many years have determined that joy is not linked, not linked to circumstances, money, success, status, age, gender, ethnicity, even physical health doesn't have any significant correlation to joy. What it is linked to most often is relationships. Relationships. In fact, if we went around this room this morning and I had you share moments of great joy in your life, happiness, 
what we would find is we all had a variety of different experiences, different things, moments that we describe, but there would be one commonality. Many, many times that would be experienced with another person or if we experienced it on ourselves, the real joy came when we got to turn around and tell somebody about it. Relationships are so key to joy and happiness. As we turn our attention this morning to Scripture, what we find is the same thing being true. The same thing being true. One of the interesting questions to kind of think about this uh, in the context of the Bible is, what filled Jesus with joy? What made Jesus smile? Uh, Here's one instance we know of in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read kind of the beginning of Luke chapter 10 and then the end. Here's the first three verses. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and all the places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. And then Jesus gives the 72 some more instructions there in the middle of chapter 10. And here at the end, verses 17 through 21, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Then verse 21, at the same time, At the same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you. Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever. And for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. I think Jesus was filled with joy often. I think he smiled a lot. But it doesn't get recorded all that often. We can't point to it in Scripture. But here, here is one of those instances. In the context of community, we find it. Jesus, after investing in these 72, after investing in them, after hearing their stories, after spending time with them, and finally, Jesus sending them out, when they come back, when they come back and they're sharing stories of how God used them, he rejoices. He's so filled with joy and happiness, it gets recorded in Scripture. It's pointed out. One 
pastor adds to this idea that joy, that Jesus experienced joy in the context of relationships. He, he kind of bullet points out some stories from the Bible. He says, when a pint-sized tax collector wanted to see Jesus so badly that he claimed, climbed a tree to see Jesus over people's head, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner with you. When a Roman soldier who understood authority said to Jesus, you don't need to come to my ill servant's bedside. Just say the word and he'll be healed. Jesus marveled at the man's faith. When a Gentile woman who had no business bothering a rabbi like Jesus had such love for her sick daughter and such confidence in Jesus to heal her, Jesus replied, you have great faith. Go, your daughter is well. And then, of course, there were the twelve, the, the main disciples, men with whom he, Jesus, had shared three years of his life every day with them. Men who messed up as often as they got things right. Men who Jesus eventually came to call friends. And on his final night with them, Jesus looked at them across the dinner table and he said this, I want my joy to be in you and your joy to be complete. So I give you this command, love one another. Love one another. There it is. In the mouth of Jesus, this connection between relationships and joy. It was people. People who made Jesus smile. People who made Jesus smile. Uh, People coming to faith. People growing in faith. People living by faith. And Jesus wants us to experience that same kind of joy. That same kind of joy. As we start to think, but okay, we, we see this connection between uh, relationships and joy in the Bible. We see this connection uh, between friendships and Jesus in life transformation in Scripture. What are we to do about it? What are we going to do with this that we have learned today? Let me first say this. The primary place we get happiness, the primary place we get joy is in a friendship with God. We can't skip by that. That is number one, right? Okay, so but let's say we have that in place. A good place to spend our time and our energy is in investing in others, in others, In short, one of the most rewarding, joy-filled experiences Jesus gives us on this earth is building life-giving friendships. Building life-giving friendships with others. And the best way to build a life-giving friendship is to stop waiting for a, a great friend to just kind of magically appear in our life and for us to simply be a good friend someone else. If you're asking, well, how do I do that? Here's where you start. 
Be the one who shows up. Be the one who shows up in a world uh, where it is really easy to have four or five, a thousand friends on Facebook, but have a hard time finding somebody to call and have dinner with. In a world where we're really good at sharing lots of details about our life, but we have a really hard time sharing our actual life with somebody. We need people who show up. We need friends who show up. We need friends that we don't have to impress. We don't have to be Instagram perfect for Friends, we can share our daily difficulties and our daring dreams with. Secret to these kind of relationships is pretty simple. It starts with people who show up. Hebrews ten, chapter twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter ten, verses twenty-three through twenty-five. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The first step, the first step to spurring one another on in faith is showing up in one another's life. Showing up in one another's life. Showing up with a meal. Showing up with a prayer. Showing up with forgiveness. Talk about that first one, showing up with a meal Somebody doesn't have to be sick or pregnant to need a, a meal, to need uh, some, just uh, some companionship, some help with the ordinary tasks of life. Those are good things. We shouldn't stop doing those things, but, but we need those just in our ordinary life as well. Maybe it's not actually a meal. Maybe it's helping with some errand. Maybe it's just a cup of coffee and a real conversation. It's not difficult. It's not hard. It just takes intentionality. We've got to show up physically in people's life. Showing up with a prayer. Friends should watch games together. They should laugh. They should cry. They should talk to one another. But life-giving friends pray for one another. Life-giving friends pray for one another. And it's more than just a, oh, you shared some hard things with me. Oh, I'll be in prayer for you. And then you kind of head out the door. No, you pray for one another in the moment. You, you leave uh, their house. You leave the dinner table after they've just told you something going on in their life. And your heart is a little heavier because you feel like you're sharing that burden. Matthew 18 20, Jesus, he he testifies to the power of friends praying together. Matthew 18, 20, where two or more have gathered together in my name, there I am. In their midst, right there with you. And then we show up with forgiveness. 
The reality is when real people are in real relationships where they're sharing uh, the hard stuff of life, it's going to get messy. It's not going to be done perfectly. People are going to disagree. Things are going to be forgotten. Confidences are going to get shared. Feelings are going to get hurt. And in times like those, friends need to show up with forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, forgave you. One of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes on friendship goes like this. It's when we're doing things together that friends spring up. Painting, sailing ships, praying, philosophizing, fighting shoulder to shoulder. Friends, he says, look in the same direction. They look in the same direction. In short, friends show up. They show up not just when it's convenient, not just when uh, it's good for them, not just when they need something. They show up. They show up in the hard times, in the good times, in laughter and in tears. And when they do, joy is shared. Let's pray about that today. Lord, Lord, you... Reveal to us in your word the importance of relationships. And before we talk about any other relationship today in this prayer, God, I want to make sure we talk about our relationship with you. Just like we sang about as we got started this morning, there is no other relationship, no other friendship that is more important than you, God. We're always going to be searching for happiness joy if we don't first have a friendship, a relationship with you, God. And that starts with us simply confessing, confessing the brokenness in our heart and in our life and saying, God, you know what? I have been living on my own path and I don't like where it's headed. I don't like where I am. God, I want to live on your path. I want to follow your direction, your lead in my life. God, forgive me for this path, for all the places it has taken me, for all the broken relationships that have led, for all the heartache it has caused, God. And you say you are faithful to forgive those things. Let your spirit enter into us, God, and lead us on that new path, following your direction. And God, as we think about the search for happiness, as we think about this uh, series this month and, and what that means, God, so many times people, we look for happiness in the wrong things. Today, we want to talk about one of those places we could look for happiness for in the right things. Number one, God, we want to look for happiness in you. Number two, God, if we're going to invest time and effort and energy, let it be in other people. Let it be in life-giving relationships. God, we look at your scripture. We see how people brought you joy. 
We, we think about how you spent every day of three years with 12 men. Think about the 72 that you sent out, that, that you invested, you spent time with God, these relationships, this community that got built, and how that brought you joy. God, we believe, I believe the same thing can happen us. Let us build good, life-giving friendships with others. Let us do that by following your example, by prioritizing them, by putting maybe their needs and issues ahead of our own, by praying together, by praying for one another, and God, by always being willing to walk into the relationship with forgiveness. In your wonderful and powerful name we pray.